everyone, welcome to BYOB, the Bring Your Own Book podcast. This week, we'll be talking about The Cruel Prince by Holly Black. I'm Kelly. I'm Tilly. And I'm Nikki. Thanks so much for joining us this week. Uh, Tilly, why don't you read the synopsis for everyone so that they're on the same page? I would love to do that. So the synopsis is from Goodreads. Jude was seven when her parents were murdered, and she and her two sisters were stolen away to live in the treacherous High Court of Fairy. Ten years later, Jude wants nothing more than to belong there, despite her mortality. But many of the Fae despise humans, especially Prince Cardin, the youngest and wickedest son of the High King. To win a place at the court, she must defy him and face the consequences. As Jude becomes more deeply embroiled in palace intrigues and deceptions, she discovers her own capacity for trickery and bloodshed. But as betrayal threatens to drown the courts of fairy in violence, Jude will need to risk her life in a dangerous alliance to save her sisters and fairy itself. Thank you. Gosh, I'm so excited to talk about this. But before we talk about the book, as you know, this is the BYOB podcast. So Nikki, why don't you tell our listeners about the drink we're drinking tonight? Yes. So today we're drinking a purple haze which has vodka, raspberry liqueur, cranberry juice, and mint leaves in it. And I picked this drink because of all of the fairy fruit references. I looked at a few that had elderflower in it, but it was very expensive. So we decided to (laughs) skip that idea and move on to this. And we're going to try it right now. Cheers. 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 Mmm, tart. Yeah. Oh my gosh. It is kind of tart, but I really like it. I love cranberry. Oh, this is so good. This looks so fancy, too, everyone. Yeah, we're going to put a picture of this up on our Instagram and Facebook. So make sure you're liked and subscribed to those feeds so you don't miss out on any of our goodies, whether they're bookish or drinkish, (laughs) if that's a word. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So before we get on to the spoilers, Why don't we all go around and talk about our star ratings? So like we've said before, we're going to rate this book out of five stars. We all have our different criteria for what makes it a one out of five or a five out of five. Tilly, do you want to go first? Sure. So I rated this book a three out of five, but it's actually more of a 2.5 out of five for me. I rounded it up a bit. I know. I'm sorry. I know this book is much beloved and much hyped. Um, But there were just a lot of things that didn't really work for me. I found myself getting very annoyed with all the characters, and I almost felt like there weren't enough details to really get me invested in the people that I was reading about. So even though it was enjoyable because it was very fast-paced, there was a lot of twists and cliffhangers, I just ultimately felt like the reading experience was not very pleasant for me because I just kept getting angry at everyone and all their choices. So that for me is not a very great book. So I gave it a 2.5, but rounded it up to three for action purposes, I guess. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God. I gave this book a four out of five. I found that it was really slow in the beginning. I thought that I I kind of felt like it was never going to pick up And then around page 75, I guess, I was like, oh, my God, this is this is happening. Things are starting to move forward. And then I started to enjoy it a lot more. Yeah. So I actually had a really similar experience as Nikki did or as Nikki's experience. 
I gave it a four to five because I thought the beginning of the book was a little slow. But then I think just a little bit before Nikki got into it, I got into it and I was all about it. I wanted to know what was happening, why the characters were doing what they were doing, because some of them made me so angry. But unlike you, Tilly, it made me want to read more because... That's great. (laughs) I think that's just, I mean... Clearly, that's how I am. That's just my personality. I just get all like, oh, riled up. Why is this happening? How could this happen? I just keep going. So I really enjoyed it. I want to know what's happening in the next book. It's in a series called The Folk of the Air. And I believe there's technically three books, but then there's a novella in between the first and second. And then there's like a little extra book that just came out this year that's not really part of the main story. But yeah, I, I I really liked it. Four to five for me. One thing that I will say is that because I haven't read a lot of books with fantasy in them lately, or not necessarily fantasy elements, but the fact that it was set in a whole other almost world of Elfheim, I found that the language was kind of cringy at the beginning when they're mm-hmm. trying to explain all of the different elements of the world. I was just i just found myself kind of being like oh could you stop i just (laughs) there was something about it but as i started to learn about the characters and get more invested in the actual story i found that that stuff didn't really bother me that much that's fair i mean there's also a lot of different creatures in fey or that make up fey i think is fey like a race i think fey is like the overarching peoples i guess i always thought that fey were just fairies but fey is actually like gnomes trolls pixies fairies fukas yeah we're gonna get to those you know whatever i didn't know what that was for so long i'm like what is a fuka pufa i think they're both real quote-unquote things (laughs) creatures So because of all the different types of creatures I had never heard of that are not explained when you encounter them in the book, I was pretty confused at times and I didn't know what to imagine when I was reading it. But then I was like, whatever, Mm -hmm. I don't care. I want to hear more about Cardin and Jude and Taryn, who we're going to talk in depth about when we get to the spoiler section. Because there were so many different creatures in this story, I didn't know what to imagine and I got a little confused at times, but... I got over it pretty quickly and just stopped trying to imagine all these creatures. (laughs) Yeah, I think that was something that kind of tripped me up too, was that there were so many new words that I was learning, and I didn't have a good idea of like a visual for each of those words. So I would have appreciated um, maybe a glossary or something, or maybe just a little bit more detail about each of the new kind of creature or races that we encountered. I almost found like the author focused on really weird details Mm. um, that I didn't care about, but then left out some pretty big details that I did care about. I think there was a a section where Jude was talking about like a particular mug or something and the exact metal of the mug, the look of it, the finish, the engraving, all of that was like very carefully explained. But then I still didn't know what color skin Maddox had. Maybe it was her favorite mug. I believe. (laughs) Maybe, but I, I don't know. It still felt a bit like I, I just didn't have a, as good an idea of a visual. Yeah, that's totally fair. I mean, you notice they always put maps in the front of these books, but they don't have glossaries all the time necessarily. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and also the map 
is not detailed enough that it's actually helpful. <laughs> yeah. How do I get to Elfheim? There's no instructions. <laughs> <laughs> I guess I was just like when I looked at the map, I was looking for like a little bit more detail about maybe mm-hmm. showing some paths and stuff from how you get to from one place to another. So that as Jude is doing all of these things, she's going between the castle and Hollow Hall and Maddox's place, you can see how she's getting there and help kind of visualize the scene a little bit more. But it didn't have any of that in it. It was just. A really pretty drawing. Well, and not to mention, isn't Elfheim right across from Maine? So how is she getting even from know. Maine to Elfheim? We that would have been cool to see. Like, oh, here's on the, the mortal world on the ragwort mm-hmm. horses over the water. Oh no, I mean like the path because we're talking about on the map, right? Like, there's no detail of like how do you get from here to there? How do you? Oh yeah. yeah, like what's the relationship between like how how close is it in relation to Maine? Mm-hmm. Oh, I and see. Does Hop, the rain in Spain fall mainly on the plain or not? And why? Know. Where is that soggy <laughs> plain? <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, yeah, it's it's funny because it's such a short book relatively, and I've read a lot longer fantasy novels that I felt I had a clearer understanding of where I was in relation to other places. Like, I'm thinking of Game of Thrones. When you Mm. read those books, I think it's really well explained, you know, that the wall is in the north, and it's this far from Winterfell, which is where the Starks live, and then this is this far from this. And I just felt like there was, I don't know, some missed step for me in this book about details about location and characters. There has to be a happy middle ground between The Cruel Prince and and Game of Thrones, because Game of Thrones is way too much detail (laughs) for me. I could not finish those books. Like, I couldn't. There's gotta oh, really? be a middle ground. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think that with the descriptions and stuff, she gave enough that you were curious, but not enough to actually give you any idea of what that meant. She'd be mm-hmm. like, oh, this person has horns. But the next time I hear about them, I don't remember that they have horns. I'm just like, oh, who's that guy? Mm-hmm. Or who's this person? So I, I think I would have appreciated... A lot of detail or just no detail. She could have just said, this person said this. And I would have been like, great, moving on. <laughs> <laughs> That's so funny. Um, another kind of problem I had that made it difficult for me to get into the story right away, and maybe this is why you guys had trouble too with it saying it was kind of slow at the beginning, was that there was this 10-year gap yeah. in between the prologue, which explains why and how Jude and her sisters are transported to Elfheim. And then it fast forwards 10 years um, and we don't have any more context of what's been going on in those 10 years. It's almost like time just zips forward and there's nothing in between. Yeah. I don't know. I, I kind of struggled with that because I just felt like there was 10 years of story that we missed and I didn't know anymore. And it almost felt like Jude didn't know anymore either. Like I think she was, what, 16 yeah. or 17, 17 for the most of the book. Yeah. Yeah, and I didn't know anything about her kind of growing up in fairyland. Or maybe I just breezed past it. I'm not sure. I was a little thrown off by the 10-year gap. Well, I mean, they started the book with her parents getting murdered. And that's not a spoiler because that's on the back of the book. And I had read the synopsis way before I read the book. So there was a huge gap for me. And when I read the prologue, I was like, oh, my God, her parents just got murdered in front of her. This is intense. This is so insane right at the beginning. And then there was a 10-year gap where 
nothing happened and it was like, okay, great, hunky-dory, I'm in Fairyland or Elfheim. So I totally agree yeah. with that. Yeah, it almost messed up the momentum. Yeah. Because it started off so strong and then there was nowhere else to go except <laughs> yeah. to kind of make it a little more boring, maybe. And it was so dark at first, too. Yeah, grisly. But also, have you noticed that that's kind of like Holly Black's shtick through this book? Is she does that's something true. really exciting and then she makes it really <laughs> lame by putting something kind of boring after. Yeah. Yeah. The, the ending was exactly the same. It was this really climactic ending and then yeah. uh, which we'll talk yeah. about in a bit. But like yes. she consistently did it through the whole book. Yeah. And I think Nikki and I were talking before and Nikki brought up that weird chapter where suddenly the narration changed. Oh, which one was that? I don't, I don't think the that. narration ever Oh. Oh yeah, I don't think the narration changed, but there's one chapter where she writes it kind of like a a list. Yeah, like a diary. And she's like entry. these are all of the things that Oh, yes. And right after that, I put a sticky note in being like I really don't think that I like that this book is in first person. Mm-hmm. There's something right. about that that really threw me off. I'm not a huge fan of first person in books because I would really much rather hear about what's happening from like an outside eye and get the full picture than have mm-hmm. one person tell me what's going on with them. Mm-hmm. I think that it would have opened up a lot more possibilities with the story. Totally. And Jude seemed to be quite an unreliable narrator as well. I think there was a, a moment pretty early on in the book where she literally says, but that's not quite right. Here's how I should have told you this story from the beginning. And so you kind of get this sense that she's lying, and then you don't know whether you should trust everything she says or not. And it makes it kind of difficult, along with the fact that it's first-person narration, to know that she's not always telling the truth or that her experience can't be trusted. Yeah. Yeah, I don't mind first-person narration. I just really didn't like that chapter. It came out of left field for me. Right. And I feel like we could have learned the things that she told us about in that chapter through the story in a different way. Like whether it was a flashback yeah. or her telling someone or having something remind her of something that was in that list. It was just out of nowhere for me. I'm happy, though, that it it was a one-off and that that trend didn't continue throughout the whole book. Because I think that if that would have been a regular thing, I don't know if I would have even been able to finish the book because I would have mm-hmm. just been annoyed. Yeah, I totally get that. Welcome to my experience being annoyed <laughs> oh, no. for a lot of it. <laughs> but I mean, it's a, it's just personal taste, right? And it's I've definitely read books that I really love that I'm sure you guys would get really annoyed by. So I don't want to um, <laughs> blast Holly Black too much because it is a lot of just personal preferences. Yeah, yeah. and also keep in mind, I guess, with what Kelly and I are saying, we did give the book four out of five stars. Yeah. So we obviously still enjoyed the book a lot even Mm -hmm. if we have issues with it. So, you know, there's a lot of things that make up a good story. Absolutely. And it wouldn't be very interesting if we just, you know, said we like it and that's it. Yeah. (laughs) I'm sure I talked about that exact same (laughs) phrase before, but here we are. (laughs) Full circle. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Well, I have a book recommendation, actually, for readers who have have read The Cruel Prince and enjoyed it or are interested in reading it but they're not sure. Maybe you've read Inkheart by Cornelia Funke. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's one of my favorite books when I was a kid. 
Yeah. Me too. I don't remember a lot of the story, but I, I remember feeling it was kind of dark, similar to this book. So yes. why did you um why did you pick that one as a recommendation? Well, also be I mean, just like what you said, it is a little dark at times and that, that mm-hmm. book is a children's book. This one is young adult, so maybe you read Inkart when you were younger and now you're a little bit older. This is still in the same sort of neighborhood or world of storytelling i think same kind of style so i think you would enjoy this book if you enjoyed Inkart as a kid great the recommendation that i have is daughter of smoke and bone by laney taylor it reminded me a lot of that book because of all the different races of creatures and there's you know the main human that's kind of thrown into a supernatural realm So that book I actually enjoyed more than this one. So if you didn't like The Cruel Prince, but you wanted it to be something different, maybe try Daughter of Smoke and Bone. Uh, That one does kind of focus more on the demon world. So there's a lot of demons, half demons, curses, weird art stuff. Um, But it had a lot of the same vibes in that there was kind of this central romance, there's darkness, there's some intense gory scenes and mythology. Ooh, that's on my list. It was really great. I blasted through the first three books in uh, like a couple weeks. (laughs) Yeah, that sounds really good. My recommendation is the Mortal Instruments series by Cassandra Clare. So I'm sure... A lot of people listening have read these. They've been out for quite a while. She has a lot of spinoff series, but it has a lot of the same elements. There's a hate to love trope going on. The shadow hunters, which are the main kind of group of people in these books, come from a country called Idris, which is hidden from the human world. It's very magical. Mm. There's a lot of like surreal things happening there you get there in later books there's six of them so if you like this and you want to keep feeling the same way you have six more books to do it yeah (laughs) it it was it was really fun it was the same kind of idea of just having uh a good time you know it wasn't too hard-hitting you don't have to think about a lot of stuff it's just kind of giving you a good story (laughs) (laughs) nice and I think there's a Netflix series too, isn't there? Of the Shadowhunters? Yes. It's oh. not great. I don't know. Oh. Oh. <laughs> and it also <laughs> doesn't okay. doesn't share a lot of um similarities with the books. Oh. And there was also a movie that came out a long time ago with Lily Collins. <laughs> that's what I remember, I think. Yeah. yeah. Is that the Divergent? No, that's no. Cheyenne Woodley. Oh, okay. Well, I haven't read either of those, so <laughs> whoops. <laughs> Not yet. Maybe I will. <laughs> hey, listeners, do you have any recommendations for us? Maybe you've read this book and you're like, what? Why would you recommend this book? Recommend this one. Let me know. Okay, I'm trying my best. <laughs> <laughs> That's all we can do is try our best. Yeah, let us know if you have a book recommendation for us. Okay, listeners, we're now going to get into our spoiler full segment of this episode. If you haven't read The Cruel Prince yet, you're going to want to turn this episode off and come back later after you have finished the book. Okay, can we please talk about Taryn? I hated Taryn so much. I have two older sisters, and I would never treat my sisters like this. (laughs) This is so bad. 
I know. And it's almost like she wasn't just, she just wasn't a character. I just didn't understand why she was there at all because she had no personality and all of her decisions were incredibly out of left field. She was there to make my blood boil. That's the only reason. (laughs) Yeah, basically. Nikki, what'd you think? Um, So I agree that Taryn was really shitty. I did like her character. I think a big part of the problem with how you're saying she wasn't really a character is because it was told by Jude. So mm, Jude yeah. saw what Jude wanted to see. And we don't yeah, know. That's a good point. Her decisions were coming out of left field because we were hearing everything from Jude. So we don't know why she was making those decisions because we don't ha- know what happened in the 10 years between when they went to Elfheim. And when the story takes place, we don't know what their relationship was like. We don't know any of Taryn's thoughts about Jude, really. Mm-hmm. So I I did like her, and I liked the plot points that were surrounding her. I thought that they weren't uh, done super effectively because of the way the story was told. But I was interested to hear more about why she did those things and why yeah, she I felt that- like it was a good decision to kind of betray her sister for Locke and all that kind of stuff. Ugh, yeah, the worst. Locke was the worst. I, oh my god, when I read the part, <laughs> when we found out he was engaged to Taryn, but he's been, like, fooling around with Jude this whole freaking time, I was like, you piece of shit, okay? Like, such, oh my god, you know? We all yeah. have met someone like this, unfortunately. He was the worst, okay? <laughs> he was. They deserve each other. And didn't Carden say that Jude deserved Locke? Well, <laughs> I don't know. Joke's on you, Carden. Yeah. <laughs> but I did kind of appreciate how Locke was written. Um, I find him found him to be kind of the opposite of Taryn, where I didn't know anything about her motivations. I didn't understand her. Mm-hmm. And maybe it was because of what, Nikki, you were saying about how everything's from Jude's perspective, and she was more interested in Locke than she was in her own sister. So I liked that Locke was set up as a villain, um, or I guess he was set up as a love interest and then revealed to be a villain. Mm-hmm. But there were all these subtle hints sprinkled in about how he likes stories and he likes the drama mm-hmm. and he likes to spin the tales and watch things unfold, which put me on alert right away because I'm not a fan of people like yeah. that. And I thought he was kind of well constructed in that way. Yeah, I was really interested when we see their first interaction. I was initially just like, yes, we're getting to the, <laughs> yeah. the spicy love stuff. But at the same time, I was like, wow, where is this even coming from? It was like he turned his head one day and was like, oh, Jude. Mm -hmm. And then just goes over to her and he's like, oh, being sweet to her and stuff. And I was like, there's no setup. Why? Why? I want anticipation. I want something more than this. But also, he didn't even help her out when Cardin, Valerian, and Nicasia were bullying her. And, like, they were being extremely terrifying. Like, they were doing horrendous things to Taryn and Jude. And then she would be like, oh, then Locke picked me. He picked me up and we walked away. Or he looked at me and then he left. Oh, how romantic. He just let you (laughs) get all these things (laughs) done to you. Like, are you joking? No, I'm sorry. Listeners, don't stand for that. If your partner is just going to watch things happen to you, no. Okay? (laughs) Lesson number one. Yes, good point. Thanks. There were a lot of toxic relationship uh, models in this book. And I just want to go ahead and say that 
if you think it's good that Prince Cardin was so awful to Jude and then they became a thing, um, don't translate that into your everyday life because you deserve better, listeners. I don't know you, but I'm sure you deserve better. <laughs> no one deserves exactly. <laughs> no, okay. Can we talk about Cardin? Yes. Oh, go ahead. Yes. No, that's what I'm getting to right now because okay. I... <laughs> I just, I have so many feelings about it. <laughs> oh, oh, me too. <laughs> me too. Okay. So when I read this book, I started off same way as Nikki, sort of of like, okay, Locke is here, things are going to happen, yay, romance, but also where is this coming from? And then I kept thinking, how is this going to work out? Because Jude is clearly going to get with Cardin. Like, it's clearly the hate to love trope, but how is this going to happen? Because he is so awful to her. And then when, I forget which chapter it was, maybe it was chapter twenty. 27 i don't know who knows i read it like twice so i should remember <laughs> but i reread that chapter <laughs> not gonna lie but when i got to that chapter where they finally kiss i was like why do i love this i am so here for this i was so angered by everything that happened before what is that nikki i, I can't have see it your tabbed <laughs> Tab for quick, uh, quick review. Easy oh. access. <laughs> yes, that's what it is. <laughs> but I was so no angry, but then so into it. And I was like, oh, my God, why do I like this so much? I have to reread this chapter. <laughs> I was it just was, It was steamy. It. I yeah. was like, I'm ready for it. This is what I've been waiting for since page 70 when this bitch picked up. I'm ready to go. Hit oh me God. with it. Honestly... What is I it? I felt really the same way as you, Kelly, where I was I was reading it and I was thinking, oh, this is going to be enemies to lovers. And I don't like that trope. I I like a like a gentle friends <laughs> to lovers situation. So I was primed to just be not into it. And he this is a little more than enemies to lovers, oh, yeah. too. This is like intense, bully, yeah. awful, violent, because um, I like traumatizing. Enemies to lovers, but this was not that. Sure. This was like, I'm no, going to potentially this was drown like, you. And then make yes, it with you several later. levels above <laughs> enemies to lovers, and so I was hating it the whole way. And then as soon as they kissed, I thought, "God, damn it, <laughs> Holly, I love it. You did it. <laughs> I'm what's wrong with me? Because I'm super into this, and I also read it a couple times. So, um, I don't know what that says about me as a person. I'm I'm still in some deep self analysis, but it was it was well done. It was a steamy scene, and you know, gotta give it to her. <laughs> you know what? I gotta, yeah, I'm gonna props to Holly because I think the reason why I felt so like, oh, what? This is great when I read the chapter is because (laughs) it was in Jude's perspective and she was in control. Mm. Because Mm -hmm, I think mm -hmm. we're used to reading things of like the man knows everything or like he's this like an experienced, advanced person. But when it got to that chapter, she was the one, like, she had a knife to his throat, which I don't recommend. But she was literally <laughs> in control of the situation. She was in control. There was a line about, like, she stared into his eyes and she saw the fear but also desire at the same time. And she was like, oh, he likes this. And then, like, started making out with him. And I think that's quite different. I mean, let's put aside the toxic part of the relationship and just look at, wow, there's a girl in charge being like, hey you want this, you like this, great. That's actually quite different. We're not used to reading that, I feel like. 
Yeah, no, that's a good point. Maybe that is part of what made it kind of sexy is thinking that she was the one um, controlling exactly how far it could go. Mm-hmm. What do you think, Nikki? I don't know what it was specifically about that scene that made me think like, oh my god, maybe it was because, well, it took so long for it to happen that the book was essentially like pretty close to being over. And we spent the whole book with all of these really morally gray characters Mm-hmm. And seeing them make decisions that we as humans wouldn't necessarily make when we're thinking about other humans. So when I think about this kind of like toxic relationship and everything, I'm really removing it from our worlds to begin with because mm-hmm. they're fairies. They have different moral compasses and moral codes that they live by. They live their whole life in riddles to trick people and kind of get out of doing things that they don't want to do because they're not allowed to lie or they they cannot lie. So I wasn't really focusing on the the detrimental parts of the relationship so much because of the fact that he's not even human. So when that scene happened, I was just like, yes, get it, girl. <laughs> do it (laughs) yeah i loved it that's a that's a great point Mm -hmm. too and i think it is easy to kind of get caught up and apply our own real world ideas and like social politics on onto this story which is very clearly set up with deeply different creatures so i think that's a a great thing to remember Mm -hmm. yeah and i think circling back to our point near the beginning of this episode when we said there's a 10-year gap like, Jude and Taryn are 100% human. There's no fae in them. Whereas their sister, Vivi, or Vivi, is half fairy, half human. So it would have been nice to see in those 10 years, Jude and Taryn being like, oh my god, that's not how you behave. You can't do this. You can't do that. Right? Because mm-hmm. yeah. I'm reading this book thinking, like, wow, these people, they're not even people. These fairies are cray-cray. You know? Like, <laughs> shit is going down. Every left, right, center. You know? It's just not yeah. yeah. But I will say, I think I don't I don't remember the last book I read where I wasn't even sure if I liked the protagonist because I don't even know if I really like Jude. I don't think I'd want to hang out with her. I'm sorry. But I still really liked the book and I think I liked it because even though I didn't really like Jude as a person, I liked reading a book where the protagonist wasn't this like perfect person. Like she <laughs> very yeah. clearly has lots of faults as do everyone in this book. Her father figure who we're going to get to that soon because he is just a whole book oh, yeah. on unto himself with Honestly. riddled with issues. <laughs> yeah. Um, but her and her sister have a lot of issues. Locke, Cardin, everyone. It's just, it's a scary place. Elfheim. I don't think I'd want to go there <laughs> personally. Oh no. No, me neither. And I agree with you that it was really refreshing to see a protagonist, especially a female protagonist, Mm -hmm. who is not only allowed to be imperfect, but is kind of encouraged throughout the book to become more imperfect Mm -hmm. and bloodthirsty and manipulative, and that that's kind of how she succeeds. Mm -hmm. So it is refreshing, but I agree. I wouldn't want to be friends with her. I thought she was a terrible, terrible friend. Yeah. (laughs) And sister and person. Well, seeing as I already brought up their father figure, Madoc. Let's just get in to his whole situation because wow. Wow. Yeah, what a wow, wow, wow. Terrible father figure for everyone. 
Yep. Oh, my God. Like, I totally – I mean, I should have read this book like you did, Nikki, because I did not really separate Faye from people and I was just like, what is going on? Why are we all allowing this to happen? You know, like major <laughs> yeah. gaslighting. You know? I just, oh my God. I don't even know where to begin. He just, I got so angered at Jude every time she was like, oh, I want him to love me or I've grown to love him as a father. I'm like, are you joking? You were old enough to remember him killing your parents. Like, Oh, I understand trying to survive, but what? I know yeah. it was it was so difficult to read those sections where she was so concerned about what he thought and if he loved her and if he was really a good person and she was so conflicted about him. And meanwhile, he literally, you know, dips his hat in the blood of his enemies. Oh. That's he's a red cap. And it oh. it was it was a lot. I I was surprised that she never expected him to betray her, given that that's literally <laughs> what he does throughout the whole book to everyone all the time. I was like, Jude, yeah. what are you doing? Like, LOL, I never expected it. Are you serious? Girl. What <laughs> oh, intervention. Are red caps, is that a species? Or is he something and he is a red cap? Like, she oh. could become a red cap if she wanted to. All she needs to do is buy a beanie and put some blood on it. Like, <laughs> I... <laughs> Beanie. Good question. I thought it was a species, but I could be wrong. But I would know if we had a glossary. <laughs> oh, <laughs> no, I agree, about it. <laughs> I agree with Tilly. I think it was a species, like a subsection of Fae, if you will. <laughs> I don't know the terms. I'm not in that field of work. <laughs> I don't know what you would call it. <laughs> but, but maybe you're right. Maybe it's an employment. What's the word I'm looking for? <laughs> a career uh, path? No. <laughs> Like, something someone does because that's how they were born. Like, their birthright, but not. Like, I know what you're trying to say, but I don't know the word. I don't, so I'm glad you do. At least someone does. Anyway, yeah. So well, is it like, is it like, is he a red cap like how we're humans? Or is he a red cap like how I'm a production manager? Like, right. you, know, you know what I, I mean? Yes, I see what you're saying. I, I assumed because he was also a general in the army that mm. that was his job and that mm -hmm. red cap is who he is actually yeah okay yeah i think maybe this will help explain maybe i saw it as kind of like he's a red cap so it's like whoever whatever his name was was a dothraki and dothraki tend to be like this in mm -hmm. game of thrones right. yeah but then again i haven't done any research on it so i can't say for sure and i don't know why i'm acting like i'm an authority on it <laughs> There's no block. I just look to you <laughs> as the leading red cap expert in Canada. Because you're a ginger, the red cap. Oh, oh my no. god, it's all coming together. <laughs> she dips her hair in blood. She does not. She does not. I don't, oh. Kelly. No. That's why I said she does not. Listeners, she does not. <laughs> well, you know, sometimes. <laughs> Listen, the moon sometimes strikes me, but I don't. I don't indulge that. She refrains. With the full moon comes the dipping of the hair. <laughs> anyway, getting back to this book. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I don't know why Jude thought that he would ever betray her. Like, why was she shooketh by the fact that he betrayed her? And also, why didn't she kill him at the end of the book? Like, great question. I got, oh, I got mad at Jude so many times. I was like, you are so dumb. Like, why would you do this? But I had to keep reading. I still really liked this book. Yeah. 
I yeah. I think I wasn't really interested in the storyline with her and Matic because mm. I just it was very predictable. It's in his nature to betray to get what he wants. Great end of story. He betrays to get what he wants. Who saw it coming? Everybody. Like <laughs> everyone but Jude. <laughs> yeah, yeah, clearly. The one that he's been training since she was seven to be essentially exactly the same as him. Yeah. I just can't help getting riled up about the made-up situation, honestly. That's fine. Because if he, it riled you up, it riled you up. I mean, it did. But there were so many twists in this book, and I feel like he mm-hmm. was related to a bunch of them. So I was like, mm-hmm. what the frig? Like, why did you not kill him at the end? I understand it's like, okay, well, if you get mad at someone for like, you know those books or plays or movies where it's like everything could have been solved by one conversation? I understand. Yep. Yeah. I understand those are frustrating, but that without that conversation, there would be no drama, like no point of having the story. So I get like, okay, she probably had to keep him alive for the second book. But like, are you serious? I was reading it and he's poisoned, but just enough to make him sleep. Why didn't she kill him when she had the chance? I agree. It seemed obvious that the author kept Maddox alive for the second book. I mean, I assume. I haven't read the second book. And I don't think it's very interesting when you can see right through to that eventual idea. Yeah, I think it would have been a lot more interesting if things wouldn't have been as surface with almost everything that Jude talks about in the book. Because there could be a lot of really interesting conversations around her feelings toward Maddox, but she kind of, it kind of just like glances over it every time. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, I like him because he's my dad, but he's <laughs> shitty. I'd like for her to delve more into that. And then maybe it wouldn't have felt like such a cop out for her to just mildly poison him. Right. In that moment, maybe we could have heard a little bit more about what it was like growing up with him. Mm-hmm. What did he do that was fatherly, like stereotypically fatherly for her and Taryn to give her those feelings? Because, you know, not nothing is black and white. Mm-hmm. So I'm sure that there are things, but we're just never told about them. So then it automatically makes you feel like I don't care. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's almost like Jude and Taryn are in love with Maddox or, or love him, but we as readers didn't get that same journey to get to the point where we love him. But I mean, Vivi also hates him. So maybe we're just yeah, all true. Vivis because we're like, are you serious, everyone? Like, can't you see through his shit? Like, yeah, we can. He is terrible. He is a murderer. Right. Why did you just murder him back <laughs> when you had the chance? <laughs> But I think if the author would have done a little bit more, I think it would have it would have really shown how good she is at writing if she would have made people feel a little bit more for Maddox, even though he's doing all mm-hmm. of these terrible things, because I just didn't like him. Yeah. I never felt anything for him other than disgust and hatred. But I think that's not what she wanted. Mm -hmm. And maybe, I don't know if that's because, and I'm not saying that people who are teenagers are not smart or do not think deeply about things, but maybe because of the audience she felt like she was targeting it towards, she didn't take that extra time to delve into those um, 
under the surface kind of feelings and relationship qualities. That's interesting. Do you think that Holly Black wanted us to feel something other than hate and disgust for Madoc? I don't know. I didn't get that. I got the sense that like she wanted people to feel afraid of him and like feel that he's a monster. But I don't I th- the way I read it, I felt very much like I felt like Jude was maybe stuck in this abusive cycle, which she clearly is. But when you're stuck in that cycle, you're just so paralyzed with fear that you don't you don't know how to respond, I guess. I still got angry at the way things transpired in the book as like an outside reader. Um, But I didn't get the sense that Holly Black wanted us to sympathize or like feel compassion for him. But I don't know. That's just my, I don't know. That's just how I read it. But I didn't even think about that. So that's interesting. Yeah, Yeah. it is a good reminder to kind of remember that obviously we are adults and we're reading books intended for young adults. Mm -hmm. So I think it, yeah, there there might be an element of that as well, that maybe things aren't delved into as deeply as they need to be, or as yeah. that we, we feel that they should be. Yeah, and I, I don't know if I'm necessarily saying that I feel like she was trying to make people um, feel for him or whatever, but because of all of the kind of tidbits she puts in with Jude saying that she cares for him and, oh, he cared for her, she... She sprinkles them through the book so liberally that it was hard to ignore that, but because they never delve into any of those moments in significant detail, it was kind of wasted words. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, I took those little sprinklings, as you called them. (laughs) I love that, sprinklings. I took those sprinklings as like, Someone who is so in denial, like when you leave a bad relationship and you're like, oh, no, but there were good times. Or when you're dumped and you're like, oh, but there were so many good memories. And then your friends or family members are like, uh, what about all the bad ones? You know, mm-hmm. I don't know. Right. That's how I took it. But I totally see where that's coming from. And I think that's a really good point. That like, hey, why did you sprinkle that in and then not elaborate? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, and especially at the, was it? I guess not at the end of the book. This was like kind of near the end, but more of the middle, I guess, at the coronation when Maddox or Madoc, I've been saying Madoc, I don't know, but her father figure, red cap guy, like kills a bunch of people in the palace, like a bunch of the royals and everything. That was quite a twist, I gotta say. Like I knew something oh, was yeah. gonna happen, but I did not think that was going to happen. Yeah, no, no it was either. extreme, like, red wedding vibes yes. from Game of Thrones. Just mm-hmm. everybody dying out of the blue unexpectedly, and now everything is completely different than where you thought it was going to go. Yeah. Yeah. That and really it, shook things up for me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and I wasn't mad about it. No, no I, I kind of appreciated that it's like, oh, a surprise, a twist, <laughs> and now we're going to go in this new direction, and now, oh no, Cardin and Jude are thrown together and gotta, you know, figure that out. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I kind of, I, that picked up, that's probably when it picked up for me, and I started to enjoy it a little more. Almost the end of the book. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry, I maintain oh. that I, I didn't love it very much. I mean, that's okay. I really liked yeah. it, but I'm still angry yeah. at certain things, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's a fine line for me. <laughs> I mean, love and hate are like 
very close. Like they're like opposites, but the same kind of, you know what I mean? Like very strong emotion. Am I making any sense? People are like, wow, Kelly is <laughs> a psycho. No, people people definitely say that. I don't know if I agree about love and hate being similar emotion. It is true that when I hate people, I hate them viscerally with my entire being. Mm-hmm. Yep. And it requires a lot of attention and effort. <laughs> you have bewitched me, body and soul. <laughs> yeah. <sighs> yeah, no, I didn't see that coming at all at the coronation. And I'm still a little confused about some of the like political intrigue stuff and with the acorn messages like yeah i don't i don't know i'm a little confused by that stuff but i was like okay cool 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 let's get back to Cardin. like i was like let's get back to Cardin. so i guess kelly you were kind of willing to let a lot of the uh unexplained details go because you were really interested in Cardin and jude is that what's going on here <laughs> yeah i was because like that's, that's totally a valid reading <laughs> no 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 i'm just uh, that that makes sense to me because I think Cardin and Jude were the most interesting parts of the book. I yeah. think their relationship was the most compelling. It wasn't that I didn't care about anything else in the book, but I wasn't as annoyed by everything or all the things that you were annoyed by, I guess. Like, I was still annoyed by quite a few things. <laughs> but mm-hmm. I just, I loved Cardin so much that I was like, I just need to keep reading. I need to keep reading. I don't even yeah. like Jude that much, but I was like, I need to see where this goes. I need to see what's happening. So I, I was interested in the political stuff, but some of it was really confusing to me, this book, because it, I don't know if it was explained enough, I think. like I, I I don't think it was, yeah. Yeah. Like, I I remember the part where Cardin was in his brother's room, or maybe it was his room, I don't know, but and Jude was hiding out, and then he gets, like, oh, whipped yeah. or beat beaten by the human. And yeah, that was really, really upsetting. And you see that side of him. So you're like, okay, so maybe this is like a defense mechanism. And that's why Cardin's so bad. But then when she starts talking about the political stuff with Balkin and Dane and Cardin's mom, some of it was a little confusing to me. And with like the little golden acorns. Yeah, I agree. I didn't understand the stakes. I didn't understand why all this was happening. I do think that there were just some details that were missing. And um, yeah, I, mm-hmm. that that part wasn't very effective for me maybe we'll hear more in the other books yeah so did you were you guys surprised by who oak was yes. or were you oh, like yeah. whatever because uh, I, I was really surprised and i really liked the moments that happened with jude and oriana kind of around all of that i wasn't i didn't really have any feelings about oriana before all of that stuff happened mm-hmm. but knowing how she You're she right. cut Oak out of Liriope's stomach as she was dying Oof. and then nursed him back to health and took him in as her own son. Oh I was just like, how are you so nice and you're married to such a shithead? This is like some Macbeth kind of shit. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> like Oak was not born of a woman. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, emergency, emergency seizure. Oh my gosh, that's so... I forgot about that. Yeah. But I didn't think she was nice. Are you serious? Well, I think what she did was nice. Okay, yes. I can agree on that. I didn't think she was nice in the book. (laughs) She was hard to get a read on, I think. Yeah, I think I can understand where she's coming from with her feelings and how she was acting throughout the book. I mean, if my husband went and killed his ex-wife and her husband and brought home uh, their, their children that aren't mine... Mm-hmm. I think I would also be a little 
miffed. Yeah. Yeah, I don't really like Oriana, but I respect her because, like, when Jude wants to help Oak out at the end, she allows it. She's upset by it, whatever, but she she goes along with it because it's for her child's best interest. And mm-hmm. I like that she does that, but that it doesn't mean that she's going to love Jude suddenly, which I respect because, like, I'm sorry, we can't like everybody, you know, but at least she's doing the right thing yeah. for her kid. Yeah, you can really tell that Oriana is, like, the only adult in the family. (laughs) Must be so exhausting in that household. (laughs) Honestly, all that emotional labor and just dealing with everybody all the time. Yeah, Yeah. I kind of felt for her, actually. Just quietly taking care of everybody. I mean, I didn't feel for her, but I I understand. (laughs) It's also, it's possible, it's been a while since I've read it, so it's possible that I'm just, you know, projecting onto her a little bit now. Mm. Um, I have a question, yeah, which is about the title of the book. Ooh. Who do you think is the cruel prince? Because we've got three princes, and they're all pretty bad. We got Balkin, <laughs> we got Dane, and we've got Cardin. Thoughts? I think it could be any of them or all three of them, but I think it's the obvious. I think it's Cardin, just because of all the little tidbits in the book about, like, you know, everyone calls him the cruel prince, and um, I think they do anyway in the book. I think the classmates call him that, refer to him as the cruel prince. And also the fact that he says, if I was going to be bad, I'll be the worst there is. So mm. I think yeah. it's Cardin. I think it could and be also, any of them, but... also because the whole book focuses on him. <laughs> well, not the whole book, not the first 70 pages, right? <laughs> Yeah, not enough of the first 70 pages, that's for sure. But um, yeah, I mean, I I do think that, that it's like probably, you know, it's the obvious, it's Cardin. But it's really interesting to think about Balkin and Dane in relation to that, because Balkin is very obviously cruel, a very heartless person who's trying to work his way to get the crown. He's not in his father's good graces so you know he's gonna be trying some slimy ways to get to where he wants to be Mm -hmm. and the way that he treats Cardin is awful so I mean there's definitely an argument for him too (laughs) Mm -hmm. well remember the part where um Dane is like I found what was Jude doing she did something that he didn't like and he was like I'm gonna make you stab your hand or cut your hand, and then she was like, is he going to make me? And he's like, no, I won't glamour you to do it, but I want you to cut your hand anyway. And then instead of cutting it, she stabs her hand, and he's surprised, but then like, good for you, I like that spunk. And I'm like, are you kidding me? What? I don't know if she does something he doesn't like, but he wants to make sure that she's like loyal to him. So he says he he's basically kind of like if you're loyal you're you'll do it even though i'm not gonna put a glamour on you Mm -hmm. and she's like okay let's go and then she stabs herself which i don't yeah i don't think i would have the willpower to do that to myself oh my god i have the tiniest scar on the bottom of my index finger like where it meets my palm of my hand from my knife slipping trying to cut open an avocado or like take the pit out and that was excruciatingly painful. I could not just be like, okay, ready? Oh, like through the hand. Are you joking? And then she put some moss over it and a bandage. 
But not right yeah. away. He tells no. her to, and she doesn't, and it gets infected, and she's like, oh, I guess I should deal with this. Like, I don't know if gangrene is a thing in Elfheim, but, like, wow. You're gonna need more than moss, okay? <laughs> Clearly, Kelly, you're not as power-hungry as Jude. So <laughs> I'm not. I mean, that's your failing, I guess. <laughs> Just kidding. That's a great thing. My You, you want to be not... You don't want to be like Jude. That's not something any of us should aspire to. Yeah, no, I think those are all kind of compelling reasons about, uh, for each one being the cruel prince. And I agree. I think it could be, I think it could be any of them. I think that's a little like, ah, who is the cruel prince from Holly Black? <laughs> I kind of think, um, for me, the cruelest prince, if we can say that, was Dane, because I think he was the one who surprised everybody by being a, secretly a terrible person. I think Cardin and Balkin were pretty obvious from the start, being bad guys. Mm -hmm. But Dane, everyone was kind of surprised by. And then the fact that he hid it, especially where fairies are, you know, supposed to not lie. I think that, to me, is the cruelest of the princes. Mm. Mm, Interesting. Do you guys have favorite parts of the book or favorite line? (sighs) Well, besides that chapter that we talked about already. (laughs) Um, Yeah, actually, mine is just a little short turn of phrase. Um, Mm -hmm. It's nothing like groundbreaking, but I just remember reading it and thinking, oh, that's so true. And I love it. I really liked, I'm not sure where it is in the book, but Holly Black says, she's talking about someone blushing and she says, hectic spots of red. And I just thought, oh my gosh. That it's so cute, because that totally is what happens when you blush. It is a quick kind of like, <gasps> right? Hectic, yeah. if you will. <laughs> I just thought that was really cute, and I really liked that turn of phrase. Yeah, so. yeah. that is really cute. <laughs> what about you, Tilly? I have a quote I really hated. Ooh. Love it. Let, hit me with it. <laughs> All right, it's Taryn. Um, of course. <laughs> I, think it's when they're, I think it's when they're fighting, or maybe some other time. But uh, she says, nice things don't happen in storybooks. Or if they do happen, something bad happens next. Because otherwise the story would be boring and no one would read it. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes. I, that, was a, that was a lot for me. I, I didn't like it. And I, I don't agree. I think people read all kinds of books for all kinds of reasons, not because bad things happen. And that, that just didn't work for me. Mm, Sorry, yeah. Taryn. <laughs> Yeah, I really took that to be kind of her um, talking from Locke, just mm. because his whole thing is, oh, I, I need a good story. <sighs> Red flag. If you're not a good story, then I don't really care. And because she's enraptured with him, she wants to marry him. I think that's him coming through her words, I guess. Oh, God. You know, like, sure. I'm not a snack. I'm a whole damn meal. It's like, I'm not a story. I'm a whole freaking tome, bitch. You know, like, are you <laughs> kidding me? <laughs> damn. <laughs> damn. Whoa, strong words. <laughs> yeah. Red flags no. everywhere with Locke. I'm just, ugh. Oh, yeah, he was, I can't even, I get, I get my just, blood boils. No, I think that that makes sense, Nikki, and, and it's possible that I was kind of just, like, angry at the book already, so I was just ready to tear everything apart all the time. Um, so that's, uh, that's me. What was your favorite line, Nikki? <laughs> um, so my favorite line happens really early on in the book. It's, it's Cardin saying it. He says, there are so few children in fairy that I've never seen one of us twinned. Is it like being doubled or more like being divided in half? Mm, mm. Yes. And I feel like that just really sets up everything for Taryn and Jude. You see them working to get what they want and in completely opposite ways. 
Yes. Yes, they both true. they both want to fit in in Elfheim, except Jude wants power and Taryn's idea of power is being one of them, like acclimatizing so much that she's not looked at looked upon as a human. So I definitely agree with that. Like they're both going for the same thing. They're two sides of the same coin. Um mm-hmm. they both do some really stupid things. And they hurt people they love in order to get what they're trying to get. Um, yeah, that was a really good part. And is that, or no, that was Cardin saying it. Okay. Because mm-hmm. I'm thinking about the part later, I think, when they're fighting, when Taryn and Jude are fighting. Mm-hmm. And Taryn says something about, like, I'm your mirror. Yes. Yeah. Oh, that was, yeah. Those parts are very closely related. And I just, like, mm-hmm. those were so good. Thanks for reminding mm-hmm. me, Nikki. That was a really yeah. good part. <laughs> no problem. <laughs> Love it. All right. Well, I think that's just about it for our episode today, everybody. Great job, mm-hmm. Nikki and Tilly. <laughs> I'm just yeah, going to say for everyone. Kelly, great job. <laughs> thanks. <laughs> Nikki, great job. Oh, thanks, guys. You too. <laughs> well, that does it for today's episode. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of BYOB, the Bring Your Own Book podcast. If you enjoyed this and would like to hear more from us, you can head on over to our Instagram at Podcast or follow us on Facebook at Bring Your Own Book Podcast to keep up to date on what book we'll be reading next. Stay tuned after this to hear the first line of our next read, which is an adult fiction reminiscent of Steel Magnolias and Dracula. If you think you know what the book is, leave us a comment with your guess and keep an eye out for the reveal. See you next time, and until then, keep on drinking in great stories. Cheers! Next time on the Bring Your Own Book podcast, this story ends in blood. (laughs) 